grew up with you, listened to your music in high school and so forth. It just occurred to me, crazy thought this afternoon, when you're in a romantic mood and you're trying to make out, whose records do you put on? Thunder Rooster Podcast. My name is Ron. And I am Paul. And I just kind of want to start out this episode by uh, talking a little bit about our last episode over the Illuminati. Um, Obviously, we kind of struggled a little bit just because the the content of that subject was just so vast. It it went off in so many different directions. It was kind of hard to follow. There's, There's truly a lot to cover. Yeah, it was so much. Uh, I definitely think that we'll take another run at that again in a later date. But just for authenticity, we're going to go ahead and keep it up. And hopefully you enjoyed it. But, uh, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, our subject today? Since it was your pick. I think it was my pick. We are going to cover the legend I'll call them Blue Eyes. Old Blue Eyes. Old Blue Eyes. We are going to be talking about the late, great Frank Sinatra. Francis Albert Sinatra. I I have a crush on this guy. I'm not going to lie. He's got a man crush. I do. Uh, I've always had a uh, a very big fondness for his music, uh, mainly. You know, uh, like we've discussed before, me and Paul both have not seen any of his movies, which I own them. That's a funny thing. I've owned them for four years now. I still haven't watched them yet. Wait, wait, wait. Four years? Yeah. I bought I know them. No, years? actually, it's longer than that. I moved up here in 2015, and it was the first time uh, my wife took me to Ollie's, which I didn't know anything about that then. But yeah, they they had a, a Hollywood Sinatra box set there, and I bought it for like I think four dollars, and I had all of them. Is but, there uh, four inches of dust on that thing by now? <laughs> no, actually, and it was in a it was in like one of those uh, awesome like tin yeah tin cases, you know. I'm I'm sorry, just I'm really disappointed in you. Yeah, you know. It's all right. You're about because... to rock a fedora for this, and you, you didn't even listen or watch that. <laughs> <sighs> hey, we'll let it slide. We're I friends. love the man for his music. Well, movies. obviously, but that might change because now I'm going to obviously watch the movies now that you know we've done all this research over him and whatnot. <laughs> I haven't even. I mean, his film career is partially, you know, the reason why he got back on top. Yeah, it was, so. his, re- it was his his comeback. So we're definitely gonna have to check that out. But all right, let's uh start let's take out you back to the beginning. Taking it Taking back. it back to the beginning. A long way back. And I did not know it went <laughs> all the way back to this point. Uh Frank was born on December twelfth of nineteen fifteen. Uh I had no idea he was alive for both world wars. Yeah. That was interesting. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh he was his uh only child. His uh, mother went by Dolly. What was her name? Oh, Dolly. Uh, was Natalie uh, Garventa. 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 Gotcha. And his dad went by Marty, but his uh, name was An- Antonino Martino <laughs> Sinatra. Sinatra. <laughs> Sinatra. We're getting off the boat. Oh man, <laughs> that's such that's singing your name at that point. Uh, hey, Antonino. Mambo. But yeah, um, but before we go, I mean, do you want to at least so his parents yeah. were immigrants of yes. Italy, came over, immigrants. came over from the boat, came over to uh, yep, they arrived on Ellis Island, the land of opportunity, right? America. 
Anyway. Oh, I thought you were running with that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is just a, you know, there's that little thing called pause, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> that was a big dramatic pause. He's about to drop a knowledge bomb. Not yet. <laughs> In due time. But all right. Um, Sorry about that. I got you off track there. Oh, you're good, man. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, Sinatra was born and raised in Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, Hoboken, I mean, this, basically the time he grew up in was around the Depression. Um, they were really having a rough time. And of course, uh, Hoboken was made up of mostly immigrants. You had, you know, a section of Italians, a section of Jew, the Jews. Yeah, Jews. You had a section of Irish uh, folk who were politically right. the leaders of the town. And then, um, yeah, you had African-Americans. And uh, I remember Frank saying that it was such a small amount of African-Americans in that community. Yeah, but he just, yeah. But, um, so his mom was actually um, pretty, she was a hard ass. And she was a very knowledgeable, especially with uh, her dialect of Italian when they're like, like 50, 53 to 55 yeah. different dialects it was a of the lot. Italian language. And just for the fact that someone could master all of those, that's very impressive. Right. But she was a, a midwife. Uh, she did get in trouble for doing some <laughs> abortions, which I mean, I don't want to get in that argument. Right, but right. back in that day, right. uh, hearing her reason for it was, you know, it was through the depression and it was just. In their eyes, it was just a, a wrong thing to do right. to bring another life in. That was her 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 spiel on that. But anyways, um, his dad was running. Uh, he was basically a guard for a prohibition run, which is awesome. <laughs> that is so that is so mob material. Right, right. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, but so politically um, and having the stance that she did within her community, um, Molly or Dolly decided to go into politics. And as she was in that, she ended up getting Marty a job as a cop. <laughs> <laughs> so it went from prohibition guard to a cop. Pretty it's a, it's a 180. Yeah. <laughs> but um they did open a uh, a saloon they called mm -hmm. it. Uh it was called the Marty O'Brien Association or Tavern. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh you know, it was MOB Association on the side of the window. We'll get into that later. <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> there it is. But, uh, yeah, they ended up taking an Irish name because, uh, you know, at that time, Italians were looked down upon uh, more so than the Irish. So they kind of went with that. But, uh, yeah, let's get more into Frankie himself. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like before we kind of dive into, you know, obviously he is remembered for his incredible voice and talent but mm -hmm. let's go where it was yeah so a quote i read um from one of the authors that he had a love for singing and it started as early as 13 and he just realized that he looked around his whole city and it was like we said we we're dealing with the depression era things are bad and he just was like you know what if i stick around here and I don't get out of here and don't do anything with my life, I'm going to be in prison like the rest of the people from my block. Right. So obviously just, you know, an Italian boy who's, who's really with every different social group is seeing all the same things. Obviously that continue to go on today. Yeah. But he was like, look, if I just continue what I'm doing, I'm, I'm screwed. Right. You know, at 13, that's, that's, you know, think of it. What were you doing at 13? And, uh, you know, for him to already kind of map out what he wants to do with his life. I mean, that that's incredible. Those ah. 13 year olds don't even have those dreams yet. I know it was awesome to see him come full circle, you know, not to jump ahead, but I mean, we all know, sure. you know, one of Sinatra's last great hits was New York, New York, you know, and he was constantly in New Jersey looking over the river 
you know, seeing that as a big magical place, you know, and he, he made it to the top. And I mean, I think New York, New York was kind of what that was about. Mm -hmm. But, uh, let's talk about how Sinatra got into singing. Um, that definitely wasn't something he thought he was going to get into at first. Um, but something that was good about Hoboken is they had a lot of theaters and places where mm-hmm. you can go see shows. Now it could be anything from, you know, a juggling act to singers or plays. Uh, but every time Sinatra would go and see any one of these shows, he'd be like, I want to do that. I want to be that, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's every, every time he go see a show, he just, he was getting enveloped into the entertainment side of things. But what really got him hooked was when being Crosby rolled into town. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Sinatra saw being perform, he automatically said, I want to be that. I'm going to beat him <laughs> for like better words. I'm right. going to be better than him. Right. I will destroy him. I will destroy him. <laughs> Believe me. This. But, uh, yeah. Uh, from then he started, uh, he actually, it worked out to where he ended up at his, uh, his father's bar or tavern mm-hmm. and they had like a old jukebox and he would, or no, it wasn't a jukebox. My bad. It was a piano roll that That's would right. play the songs on the piano for people. And basically, excuse me. He would sing along to these songs. And in his words, it was really high pitchy. Uh, I'll insert a little clip here of him basically showing you how what it was like. They had in the bar a piano with a, with a roll in it. They put, they put a nickel in it and would play the songs. And uh, occasionally one of the men in the bar would pick me up and put me up in the piano and I'd sing with a roll. And it was a horrendous voice. Terrible. I mean, it was like a siren. You know, honest and truly, I'm in love with you. Way up there like that. It's a wonder I ever got anywhere starting that way is what kills me. (laughs) So, one day I got a nickel or a dime, whatever it was, and I said, this is the racket. This is what you got to be doing. But, you know, he made his first dime doing that and automatically just snapped in his mind, like, this is where it's at. I can make money at this. So, uh, and I think he said he started going to his glee club. Yeah, so in high school, that's where he just kind of approached it. I mean, he started singing in glee clubs. Uh, I sang in choral. I sang in choir a little bit in high school, but yeah, college. Too. So kind of understand just you know the love of it if you like it mm-hmm. but obviously that was something he felt was very comfortable and good at right. so he started doing that and then it just it just proceeded it was you know at the time like you were saying uh, you know one of the things that was like pure entertainment for you know for the country at this time was the radio mm-hmm. people didn't have access to televisions yet they weren't even out some some could afford them some couldn't yeah, they were massively. You know expensive. what I mean? But it was like, what what was like, you know, the the typical, uh, you know, day of you know American family. Mm-hmm. It was come home from work or school, have dinner, after dinner or during dinner, sit and listen to the radio. Fifteen right. minutes. I mean, you had a couple radio stations of that, but he was just so fascinating that people go on there and perform 10, 15 minutes, and it's like you get all that attention on just that that instance. You know what I right. mean? And it blew him away. Yeah. I- uh, radio was something it was free and pretty much everybody had access to one or yeah or <laughs> i might say everybody no, owned one or right. had access they kind of look at it as like you know pretty much now today everyone has a cell phone smartphone that's right. kind of how it was the radio it was like you know even if you didn't have a lot of money somewhere along the lines you would have probably had enough to afford a radio right yeah and that would actually pay in his favor because later on you know he'll end up on that radio Yes, he will. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, we actually have to take a break. We will be right back. Burned hands. <laughs> I used to hold. 
on And soon I'll hear All right, we're back. Basically, we have Sinatra. You know, he did his school stuff, and then um, they basically he went to this this show, which you could say it was like a an American Idol of their time, and for that for that area. But he went to an audition solo, and. Um, they basically said, hey, we got these other three guys that are from Hoboken as well. And it was a trio called the Three Flashes. And so they decided to just bundle them up together and call them the Hoboken Four. So mm-hmm. they go to this uh, Major Bows amateur uh, show. And uh, they basically were the, the most popular uh, group that they had at the time. And that's basically how... You know, Sinatra ended up signing a contract with these guys with the Hoboken Four, and they ended up going and touring the country, singing and stuff. Pretty sweet for a nineteen-year-old, don't you think? It wasn't bad at all. <laughs> but I should I should insert here for that because that that it was in nineteen thirty-five. Uh, I just want to make a little quick note. He met his uh, his first wife Nancy the year before mm-hmm. when Sinatra was vacationing vacationing on the Jersey Shore. And I bring this up because I also want to add this little story because I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> so the way they met, you know, they were on the Jersey Shore and, you know, I'm sure Nancy was this pretty hot looking young thing and she was giving herself a pedicure <laughs> on the beach and old Blue Eyes decided he's going to roll up. <laughs> hey, what you doing there? She's like give myself a pedicure <laughs> he was like oh yeah you want to give me one <laughs> she's like sure uh, okay it's <laughs> probably never been prepositioned for that before <laughs> so you come here often <laughs> hey you don't know my name but Which you want to touch my feet touch my feet please <laughs> they need some love <laughs> all right anyway Go on. So after touring extensively with uh, the Hoboken Four, um, Sinatra kind of got got tired of it. You know, he wasn't making that much money, but he was was getting out and seeing all kinds of different places. So he ended up quitting the band and coming back home. <laughs> At this point, he gets home. You know, his parents are not thrilled about him being an artist whatsoever. Um, an earlier story of, you know, his infatuation with Bing Crosby, you know, he hung a poster of the man in his room and his mother being the hard ass that she is just took a shoe, chunked it out and called him a dumbass. <laughs> basically. Who's the dumbass now? <laughs> his, his father was a strong silent type, yeah, you know, yeah. didn't really show he loved him, but obviously he, he knew, you know, that he loved him a lot because, you know, there's another story where, you know, when his his father was working in the firehouse, he he came back and his father was shaving in the mirror and stuff, had his locker open, and Sinatra or Frank walked in and saw his dad's locker open and it had all kinds of picture clips and stuff from all the accolades he had. You know, he just shut it real quick. Didn't say much. Big tough guy. Very quiet guy. Yeah, real tough guy. But he definitely loved his boy. And I understand that. Love my boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he gets back and he actually goes and auditions for a uh, another act. It was, um, I want to say Greg Bennington's orchestra. I'm probably wrong on that because I did not have that memorized, but I will insert that here if, in case I am wrong. But he had a, uh, I believe, a trumpet player. Uh, it was Tommy, not Tommy Dorsey. That's later. Mm-hmm. What's the name of that guy? Give me one second, please. Was it uh, 
Harry James. And it was the Benny Goodman Orchestra. That's what... Damn. My bad. No, I just... Oh, they have one of the greatest swing songs. I'm going to put a little clip of that right here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but real quick, just want to touch on this right before that happened. Um, you know, he looked at... Uh, basically... He wanted to go to New York and he finally got a chance because his father literally kicked him out of the house. He's just like, hey, it'd be best if you get out. You know, tough fatherly love from the silent one, you know. Oh, of course. Yeah. But so he ends up going to New York. He um, basically just started going to these publishing houses and he would just get, you know, he started collecting catalogs full of music. And he's literally having to teach himself how to, like, read music because he had no idea and he wanted to get serious about vocals and stuff so he asked uh one of the musicians of Mm -hmm. uh some of the people he was hanging around and in the band yeah they basically suggested going and getting vocal lessons from a guy named john quinlan and he was known as a drunk (laughs) basically a fallen star he's just you know singing at the met and he just kind of got pushed aside. But uh, basically, he paid $3 a week for three lessons a week. Which, you know, that sounds like a bargain now, but that was probably like... Yeah, it's combat inflation. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like... Probably 300 100 bucks. 100, maybe 300 bucks. Three grand, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, uh... After that, he ended up landing a gig at the the Rustic Cabin in New Jersey. And that's where he gets brought into the whole radio spill. Um, The group he was with there ended up getting radio play on uh, a local show. I want to say it was WNEW. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. But um, that was really when his parents had a full turnaround because he finally started getting something. Back then, if you were on the radio... You made it. Yeah, you were a huge star. It doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter what it was, yeah. Right, because that, like we <clears throat> talked earlier, that was that was one thing that everybody can listen to, everybody can get behind. It was like the focal point for the family, you know. Everyone sit around the, the radio and, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, uh, Sinatra ended up doing uh, morning shows with WNEW as well as night ones as it went on, just doing little variety things mm-hmm. here and there. Yeah. But um, eventually, Harry James of the Benny Goodman Band, I like how I rounded that back. <laughs> Comes full circle. And uh, he recorded his first record, and it was called All or Nothing at All, which I... I I had no idea that was his first record. First I, one, I, I do love that song. I didn't. But uh, it was really cool. They ended up hitting the road together. And uh, they were touring all over the place. And he was doing really well. You know, making his connections. Growing growing his fan base. You know, at this time, he was starting to get very popular with the ladies. And uh, quite the frenzy. <laughs> Um, I know you were swooning over some of these videos. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just a whole sea of girls there, and there's Ron. Just I would be uh, just as crazy as they were. Blue eyes. Shouting. I love you, blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, they were almost on a rage. <laughs> Could yeah. only imagine you in the front row. <laughs> so, Tommy Dorsey was of the yes. uh, Benny Goodman band. <laughs> yep. Uh he was a trumpet player, I believe. Yeah. He ends up uh, discovering Sinatra through one of these variety shows and decides that he wants Sinatra to come sing for him. Well, <laughs> Harry didn't like that too much, nope. but he ended up uh, canceling it out with that and going with Tommy Dorsey. And this is where things really start to pick up. Um the very first billboard um, ever, the top 100, or I'm sure it wasn't 100 then, but I think Whatever it was like the top first 10. The first billboard chart. Very first. He was number one on the very first one. 
And uh, it was Tommy Dorsey and um, what was the name of that song? I forgot. Yeah, I don't remember what that, that was. Yeah. I'll insert that here as well. Yeah. <laughs> that one I did not know. Yeah. No. I literally just learned of that when we looked sure. at that right before yeah. the show. <laughs> I forgot to write it down. But uh, yeah, that's incredibly crazy. Especially since I do remember the other name of the song that because there was two Tommy Dorsey songs on that uh, billboard. Mm-hmm. On number nine, it was Imagination. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was cool that, you know, Frank Sinatra and the Pied Pipers. Right. Uh, <laughs> Makes the name so much cooler then. Right. But yeah, the first billboard and they have two spots on there. I mean, Bing Crosby was just <laughs> above the second one, you know, just number eight. <laughs> I bet he felt really good about that, too. Oh, of course. Especially holding him as high as he did. Yeah, he idolized the man. I would destroy you. Of course. Uh, kind of starting to get into kind of the part of history where, you know, World War II starts coming in. And uh, Do, uh, I don't know if we're skipping around it, but about we? Tommy Dorsey. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Frank. Take it away, man. Contract time? Did we not cover that? Uh, no, I later? did not cover that. Is that before? Before the war? I don't remember. But yeah, we can talk about that now. But anyway, so yeah. as we were just saying, you know, he joined he joined forces with Tom Dorsey and obviously the notoriety, the superstar status up here. Well, he wanted out of that contract. <coughs> Frank Frank saw, you know, that there's an opportunity to, because he grew his connections, he was like, you know what? One day he was just like, hey, Tommy, I think I'm just going to just gonna get on my deal. I think a lot of it was the fact that he, he, he was tired of singing with groups. Of course. Like he wanted to, he wanted to be the front shining star. Sure. Right. And he just laughed it off. Yeah. He's like, hell no. Yeah, he says he goes. <laughs> he brought it up. He's like, "Hey, I'm thinking about going solo." He's like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, no, no shit." Dude sticks it out for like another four months and yeah. comes around asking, and he didn't kind of just laugh it off this time. He's no. like, "You ungrateful motherfucker!" You know, you ingrate. <laughs> yeah, and then he was like, "Well, you know what? Then if that's the case, uh, Blue Eyes, here's what my demands are." So he basically, basically set something up where he was like, "Well, you know what, Frank Sinatra, since you're a big popular figure, um, you could pay me a third of your salary for life." Now he demanded that I will. <laughs> I get a third of your fi- of and any of your financial and ten percent to his agent. Oh, I right. Know about that. So by ter- by terms of his contract, forty three percent of Frank Sinatra would belong to Tom Dorsey. Yeah, get the fuck out. Right. What kind of fucking deal is that? <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, that's how business works, though. No, I mean, but I mean, what was the contract? You... What was the contract on there? That I went on to see that, or was this a handshake? Or yeah, it was it part of the yeah. sacred handshake, yeah. or was it written down on a napkin? Because right. it does say, like you know. Well, they would like they to, just wrote it up, right? They would like to say, you know, uh, a man's word is his bond. But that's the thing I don't understand. Is like, was Sinatra so hard up to get out of that because he signed it, right? That's the thing so I don't understand. He must have right. been, you know, I know he was getting. <laughs> Old Blue Eyes is is a very strong male figure, but he was mm-hmm. picked on a lot yeah. during this time yeah. by the other musicians and stuff because of his hygiene. Uh, the way he cared about his looks, his clothes. He said he was, he would take multiple showers a day. He would change his clothes like three or four times a day. And they called him, uh, obsessive compulsive, something <laughs> McSally or Lady Macbeth. Lady That's Macbeth. what they call them. Oh. They gave him the nickname Lady Macbeth. So maybe he was, maybe he was dealing with all that. And he was just like, I don't care. I'll sign anything. Give me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> or just strong, uh, female influences in his life. <laughs> Think of that Lots too. of them. Anyway, yeah, but that's just that was really uh, crazy, yeah. just for the fact that you know, uh, I wouldn't expect a contract to be written like that. But again, I don't know. That's just too crazy for me. I'm sure crazier things have happened. But how about uh, I guess I could say, uh, how did he really get out of it? 
Ah, uh, there's some rumors. Obviously, <laughs> do you want to uh, share one of them? <laughs> there's also there was a there was a rumor around basically, and it was portrayed in the Godfather series, kind of not directly at Sinatra, but a Sinatra esque figure in the movie, mm-hmm. where basically you know the mob got them out, yes. got them out of that contract. Yes, but um, I mean it's not too far off. But he uh, he did get out of the contract. He paid fifty grand, and back then. I mean, fifty grand might might as well be like. 50 well, think about how now. they said when they got married, they were like excited. You know, I mean, first off, like before Frank started getting big, he was making you know fifteen twenty dollars a week. Yeah. Same with you know family members and whatnot. But then you turn around, you get sixty dollars for your wedding. I mean, you're hitting it big. Right now yeah. we're talking fifty, you know, fifty sixty thousand. I mean, that's just. Whew. It's crazy. It's a lot of money. Crazy. Still a lot of money, too. I mean, to me, right now. That's, right. Still a great amount of money, of course. But uh, what about, uh, I mean, we can prelude to this, but what about uh, what about his godfather? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The godfather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was his name? Willie. Well, you said. We, you, you can tell this part of it. No, I think it's worth saying. You, you no, no, no. I don't want to. Willie Moretti. 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 Yeah. yeah. But you can tell about the Godfather. Yeah, he was a Godfather and he was a head of a major crime organization. Uh, but what Isn't that funny that, that you would think, that, yeah, there's no ties to that, but you just said it. Well, I do know that a lot of like what we saw in like some documentaries and some of the stuff we've read that they really played it off like they had nothing to do with it, but. You kind of think there might be something to do with it. I kind of think mean, so because I mean, we—I don't think you have allegedly. In. Let's just allegedly put a gun in the guy's mouth and just say, you know what, the, the deal's off, and uh, <laughs> we'll just we'll just settle this over a gentleman's dollar bet. Yeah, I mean that is mob shit as it comes, right? Hey, got out of it. Yeah, of course, everyone. Yeah, everyone lived to tell. Yeah, it's all up to it's a mob subjective shit right thing, there. Though. Totally mob stuff. But we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Mm. You look terrible. I want you to eat. I want you to rest well, and a month from now, this Hollywood big shot's gonna give you what you want. It's too late. They start shooting in a week. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Fuck. Fuck that. All right. Fuck this take. All right. So Sinatra wants to get out of the contract with Tommy Dorsey. And he really wanted to do it because he had uh, old Bing Crosby in the crosshairs, basically. He wanted to be bigger than Bing. And that was quite the feat at the time because he released that White Christmas album. And to this day... It's the best-selling album of all time. I I still couldn't believe that. Is it of everything that's out there, I really had no idea it would have been that. No, I totally get it's it. It's incredible. Though, I mean, it's a great, it's a great, everyone, I think everyone can attest when they hear White Christmas, that's like the most popular version is Bing Crosby's. Yeah, and that's definitely one of my favorite Christmas songs. I do like Sinatra's version of it better. I'm a little partial, sure, but. Of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. Who isn't? But, uh. You know, I just love, I'd love for snow to be here for a week for Christmas, but that's it. Been here in Ohio. Yeah, for, we, did, we didn't get snow last year, did we? Yeah, we got snow. Just not a lot. Not a lot. Not, yeah. From what I hear, since I've moved up here five years ago, the last bad snow that we've mm-hmm. had up here yeah. was the winter before I moved up here. Yeah. So I, I want to bet this been year. been very lucky. So with thanks. all the fucked up shit that's gone on this year. <laughs> It's probably going to be bad this year. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh. Uh, I do want to bring up the fact that a uh, little bit I did not know, but in this uh, Tommy Dorsey band, uh, Buddy Rich was the drummer. Mm-hmm. The legendary drummer. And I don't know why I didn't know that because, you know, I've been looking up his stuff quite a bit <laughs> over the years. And I'm well, just, if you would have watched some of their movies, Ron. It wasn't the movies, Paul. <laughs> 
anything. I'm watching the movies this weekend for I'm not sure. Get that dust off. I know. But yeah, I thought it was cool. Frank Sinatra basically helped Buddy Rich uh get start his own band basically with like a twenty five grand loan. Uh, I thought that was it's pretty nice. Uh, it was really cool because yeah. there's a lot of a lot of uh I want to say like cross webbing. But well, and you like, also don't want to burn bridges. It's right. like one day down the road, you know, he, he could have, you know, it could be any kind of artist, you know, maybe something doesn't work out here, but you know, people don't forget that kind of stuff. But Sinatra, like he built so many bridges and yeah. you know, he knew so many people. Like yeah. I'm saying there's so many like cross sections of famous people throughout True. Sinatra's life, you know? Right. And I know like in the oceans 11, movie like the remake because obviously he had his own but Mm -hmm. um you know a big thing in there was like it was a standard like you shook sinatra's hand you should know better kind of thing you know yeah you should respect yeah and he deserves so much respect but so he ends up getting away from jack dorsey through this uh contract debacle (laughs) and um i guess with the help of his godfather, it was uh, basically a couple thousand dollars he had to pay. But he got away from that, and uh, I think that's when he started getting into uh, film. Uh, he got discovered basically through a concert, and I guess a director found him and was like, I got to have this kid. <laughs> so they signed him for a seven picture deal with RKO, which was kind of lucky for him because, you know, at the height of his career, you have peaks and valleys mm-hmm. and he did well, but we also have times changing and jazz, you know, doo-wop, this kind of, you know, kind of singing. I mean, it was the popularity was kind of falling because other things were coming about. So he had to kind of figure a way to reinvent himself. I mean, towards the end, he was singing at some public fairs. I mean, I would have never imagined to ever even think that. Right. But things happen. But you know what? He gave he gave the the shot to do the acting, and I think it paid off. Right. Well, a little bit before that, um, you know, we kind of got we kind of had to have to add the part where mm-hmm. you know Sinatra Mania was going on. Yeah. And it started with the while he was in Tommy Dorsey's band. You know, there was a spot I remember in this documentary I watched about it. And basically, Sinatra would be brought out to stage and the crowd would lose their shit. Like, so loud that Sinatra couldn't even hear himself sing. But I remember a distinctive quote from Tommy Dorsey on that was basically, he turned to the band and said, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's ultimately what happened with between them was like, I think Tommy Dorsey started getting really jealous because, you know, Sinatra was starting out to shine way brighter than him. I I mean, I can see why he was so hard up to try and get that one third of his earnings for the rest of his life. Of course. (laughs) He knew the guy was going to be a superstar. Yeah. (laughs) Or at least he had the hunch for it. For sure. But yeah, so during this time, also World War II was starting to come up, and that camera just went off. But yeah, World War II started up. Uh, you want to give them a give them a nice little rundown of uh, the basically the the kind of uh, rumor that Sinatra had been a draft dodger. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I'll take care of the kids. All right. Well, I'll fill you in. So one of the things that I discussed with Ron, and we mentioned this a little earlier um, in the show, uh, about Frank Sinatra not knowing how to read music. And I was very fascinated with that because I'm someone who's kind of learned music by ear uh, and playing kind of self-taught. So I, I envy artists like Frank Sinatra, Dolly Parton. I know there's a handful, but he was one of those. Um, but anyway, one of the, the obstacles that could have came in the way during the war is that he uh, he was able to draft the war. Um, he went in a couple times to get basically evaluations, but one of the physicians that he met um, did clear him of not going to war because he had a he had a situation with his ear where he could he could lose the hearing in his ear 
almost like an eardrum popping from just some sort of a lobbying. Right. They, and no one knew said. like how like how it could be. I mean, it was just we don't think this is going to be a good idea for you. Yeah, they literally said that, you know, if you if there was to be a gun go off nearby him that he could lose hearing forever yeah. in that ear. But also on top of that, you know, there was other obvious signs. I mean, he was not the biggest guy. Uh, I believe he was shy of the minimum weight requirements to be in the military. Because they fit, fit the suits and stuff. Right. They fit the uniforms, yeah. And also the uh, they had vouchers and stuff that kept him from the first draft. And that was because he was a married man and he was a father. Right. But eventually the war necessity for men grew and they basically did away with that voucher. So we had to go back, go back into it. And basically this time around, you know, he's got a bigger name for himself and they kind of give him the runaround the next time around, you know, they're giving him a hard time. The draft Dodger names being thrown around. He's getting a lot of hate. He goes to this fort and he basically says he spent like two days making like 700 calls to people's families in this area. Ultimately, he gets to the last checkpoint of this whole, you know, uh, exam, mm-hmm. I guess. And it basically was the same story. You know, his ear uh, and he had to do like a psych evaluation and basically um, part of it being was he that, you know, he'd get anxiety about being around people a lot of people and they were afraid that or he was afraid that if he was around a lot of people and loud noises that he would run away <laughs> which sounds like crap because he performs in front of thousands That's of people I was going to say I'm like because <laughs> this guy but at the same time yeah. the man was troubled you know he had he had a lot of problems in that area so I myself I don't care for crowds at all but I played in front of a lot of people <laughs> A lot. <laughs> right. And it doesn't bother me. Right. But you stick a camera in my face and a microphone, and I get a little anxious sometimes. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> no. Good. But, yeah, um, honestly, I think we've covered what we can tonight. We've had some technical issues that we've had to get around. Uh, one of the technical issues being my son. He woke up. technical issue (laughs) technically he's my son see what the wife says about that one right (laughs) no uh but yeah we've got more to cover i didn't think we were going to make this more than one part but there's a lot of stuff in this and you know just like the other two we're gonna the guy had 59 albums we could be here he had one arranger (laughs) do 300 songs for him (laughs) 300 yeah that that's uh, yeah and he worked with a lot of people yeah and we're even gonna bring up a little uh album that he did it was a uh, basically it turned into like an autobiography type album right. but it's called the future it's not mentioned i didn't find it in his discography but uh, that's pretty interesting we'll have mm. to get into that but I think ultimately we should lead into our uh, pecking order. For yes. This. So do you want to start it? I would love to start it. Pecking order. Yeah. We need to have some kind of like theme music. Insert that. that in. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. If yeah. anybody's got anything, bring it on. Yeah. We'll take suggestions. Yeah. So as we can tell, there are so many, so many hits. So, so we had to narrow it down. Um. Narrowing five was really tough. It's really hard songs. to do. But uh, my my f- number five, I'm going to say I get a kick out of you. I mean, I look at kind of songs I go to, like for Frank Sinatra, and that was just that was a good one. <laughs> That's great. <song. laughs> well, I'm happy you like. Good. Is there anything that kind of that made it shine to you? No, like, it's you know, just nothing really. Just a just, good jam. Just a good jam. Good good heart soul jam. Feels good. Yeah. You know, you with your lady, you're like, I get a kick out of you. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number five is The Best Is Yet To Come. And uh, not only is it a great song, but it has like a personal tie with me and my wife. Uh, we spent 
some time doing a long distance relationship at the first start of our relationship. I said relationship three times, really close together. <laughs> uh, anxious. Okay. Yeah, we we basically kept telling each other that all the time. You know, best is yet to come. You know, so that that's kind of my tie to that. That fucking camera went off again. <laughs> All right, go ahead and go into your number four, Paul. I gotta fix this again. Uh, my Please num- support us. Buy some merch so we can get. Yeah. <laughs> and we almost lost the show and our host. Wow. Uh, <laughs> number four. I'm gonna say uh, another really good one. Uh, Fly me to the moon. Definitely, uh, definitely uh, a high octane, uh, high octane. Uh, Song we got there. Well, you're, if you're gonna go to the moon, you better bring like, the rocket oh, fuel. You need the rocket fuel to go to the moon. It's a banger. Bang. <laughs> you gotta go to the moon, baby. Gotta go to the moon. Oh, good song. song. Yes. My number four is probably gonna surprise some people, but it's called "I Wouldn't Trade Christmas." It's a oh, okay. Christmas song he he had done, and uh, nice. I just love it. The catch, if this part of the song is like, I wouldn't trade Christmas, I love you the best. And it basically goes through like saying all the holidays in the song and how like it'll mean nothing. Christmas is right, my favorite. Right. Of course. Christmas is my favorite. It is your favorite. <laughs> this is very ironic. That's well, yeah, perfect. it's it's a yeah. really fun song. I get a kick out of it. Sure. You Talk do. about, you know, pouring hot toddies to toast everybody, you know. <laughs> You can't pour the toddies enough. <laughs> no, you can't. Nope. Oh, yeah, that was not number four. So, uh, so now at least now we're getting in the top three. So yeah, there's a little more meaning to these. Yeah. And this was tough because I really could have went. I could have flip flop all three of these, but third one is going to be uh, love and marriage. Yeah. For some, I of you, honestly thought that was going to be your number one. No, well, I mean, obviously, and I'll tell the story, but right. for some of you old folks out there, old geezers. Little girls as well. Uh, Married with Children was a very, very important <laughs> show in my life growing up. Oh, I love that show. So, and that was really the first, truthfully, that I didn't know who that's who the singer was of that song. Yeah. Until I started watching a, a lot of Married with Children, but it just it always just makes me think of that, and it actually makes me think about you know <laughs> the, the the cast relationship, Alan Peck Bundy. I mean, it's just like that was like the. It, we going on all about that but anyway so yeah so that was just kind of how i like you hear the you hear the words of that song you're like not this family right (laughs) this is like this is hell on earth this family but uh but anyway it's a really good song but anytime uh the show comes on i hear the intro i just start laughing right i just start i literally think of al bundy trying to score four touchdowns a pull guy i mean sits down the thing Slips his hand in the pants, just gets comfortable. Guy had a hard day at work. He just wants to sit home, watch TV, have a couple beers, and oh, look at he Pickens. had <laughs> some of the most savage comebacks to ladies in his shoe store too. Excuse me, but am I invisible? Possibly from Pluto. I want a balloon. You've already got one. Oh, that jumping must have expanded my foot. And <laughs> I see you must have fallen on your butt a time or two. to my face well i'd say it behind your back but my car's only got half a tank again anyway anyway all right what do you got um my number three is i've got a crush on you interesting i would have not expected that but i love that song so much um i don't know maybe it's part of my kind of hopeless romantic kind of side growing up you know that was one of those songs that kind of stuck with me and you know, there were several movies that I liked that kind of had it in there because it kind of really, it was more so encompassed a feeling that I got, which is a lot of things with Sinatra and White. He's such a big influence to me. It's, it's, it involves a lot of emotion and kind of timestamps in my life. But yeah, that was my number three. Again, okay, this was difficult for me, but one and two, I could have flip flop even closer to three but uh number two is my way and that that song is just that is frank sinatra yeah 
through and through. I mean, there's a swan song. The lyrics are incredible. It's just, it's just a great song. I mean, I, I don't know how to sum it up any more than that. I mean, if you've never heard it, I just I highly, you know, tell you to go ahead and do that. But it was just, it was incredible. That song will be played at my funeral. That is for sure. I, I can understand that. Just, I've made that known to a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could see why. It's just mm. it's very great. Yeah. My number two was Fly Me to the Moon. Okay. That's obviously a lot of people is going to expect that to be on our list because that's one of his best songs, according to a lot of people. And, you know, you had it on your list already. And I was closer up on mine because sure. like, I just loved singing that song mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a fun song. Yeah. You can just mess around with your vocals. Mm-hmm. You know? but, yeah. Of course. Got a little bit of romance and because you want to go up to the moon. Come on. And Rocky Fuel. <laughs> right. We'll be back in just a bit to give away our number one. I'm so tired of these fucking technical difficulties. <laughs> this is our what third try at this shit. Well, you know what happens <laughs> after 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 several hours, our, our shit don't want to work. Right. We're so excited about talking about Sinatra here. We just went on talking about all of our things, did our honorable mentions, did this lush, full. We'll on. do it again. <laughs> do it again. Fuck it. We'll do right? it. Right. No, we'll do it live. Fuck it. Uh, all right. Um. What you did miss is our number one turned out to be the exact same one, and it's New York, New York. Yes. Love that song. It's just, it's an embodiment of Sinatra. Of course. It, his, it was his last big hit, and that thing Considered is probably his biggest hit. Every, every New Year's Eve. Every You watch the ball drop, you're hearing that. I mean, it, it just, it culminates his legacy you know, Sinatra is going to be one of those entertainers, performers that we're just going to always talk about. Always, yeah. No matter, I don't know how long we're going to be here, but I know <laughs> Bad for as long as long. humans are around, might not, might not be too long, right? The way things are shaping up around here, yeah, the aliens might come and get us. They might have another shot here. first than that. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather take up on their deal. <laughs> but uh, we had a few honorable yeah. mentions, yeah. Uh, I'll just run through mine real yeah. quick, and then I'll I'll toss it back to you. Yeah, sure. But uh, there's a song called "All of You." It's a really fun, bouncy little song, and just the lyrics get me. You know, it seems like something I would sing to my wife. You know, just being, have you? Like, I have. Okay, <laughs> he did. But he has a nice little uh little line in there. You know, he's saying I love the the east, west, north, and the south of you, and it just made me think. Oh yeah. That booty. <laughs> uh, my next honorable mention is the girl from Impanima. <laughs> the booty. <laughs> the booty. <laughs> but, uh, the girl from Impanima, uh, it's more of like a Spanish flamenco style like guitar uh, song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it's just one of those daydreamy songs that, you know, I've had several several instances where I could be in that same situation kind of thing. So sure. that's kind of why it was included on there. Uh, Luck Be a Lady. That Good was choice. another hard one yeah. because I lived in Vegas for a year and I heard that a million times and I didn't get sick of it once. <laughs> I just, I love it. It's a great song. Uh, my other one is My Funny Valentine. It's, uh, I don't know. There is a, a romantic side of Ron here. No, I'm not going to talk to myself in the third person. That sounds horrible. The, the beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I like I like that um, that real romantic feel to it, and you know, it's a sweet song. I like it. Not wrong with that. Yeah, not at all. Uh, not in any order. I just got a couple. Uh, I'll just say the best is yet to come. That mm-hmm. was could have been on anywhere on my list just a great song love the intro line just like just just a cool jazz song just like in my opinion uh and then the other one and i have kind of a, it's a stupid story i don't know but it makes me laugh but uh 
Uh, Strangers in the Night is on, you know, the list and still another really, really great song. But I don't know for the hell of me why I think of this, but maybe it was just because I've seen this as a kid. But most of you, if you've seen the movie Scarface with Al Pacino, um, Tony Montana, Tony Montana, um, there's a scene in the movie where he's actually at a, you know, conducting business at a club and, you know, people are having, you know, drinks, food, and there's, there's a show performer that's on stage. And it's this, if you want to call it Frank Sinatra with like this giant fucking paper mache piece of crap head. I mean, it was like a fathead bobblehead on this really weird body. It was like a really horrible, sad attempt at a Sinatra impersonation. That was not a form of flattery. And Oliver Stone? No, I don't know about that. It was a paper mache head and it was a really fat guy doing (laughs) it. Love Oliver Stone, but I'm like, dude, you could have given him a little something better than that, but whatever. But uh, I don't know what it is. I just, I think of that. It's like this this is a real romantic song and movie. Everyone's really in depth of what's going on. All of a sudden it's this beautiful piece of art and then it's just a massacre and I'm like, oh, geez. Thanks. <laughs> Bullets flying. Bullets everywhere. flying everywhere. I mean, that's pretty, I guess. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we will definitely tackle this again. We'll have uh, another part. I, I'm not going to lie. This Sinatra <laughs> one, we keep going with it. We'll probably end up being probably at least two parts maybe even three i mean the guy had like 59 albums right i mean this Plus, could, this could be one of those subjects that we actually tackle every <laughs> once in a while you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, i don't know about that maybe one day we'll have a sinatra series who knows have a sinatra update right <laughs> <laughs> he's still dead he's still here <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness yeah but. but all right uh i think uh grab a little die here and find out what we're talking about next week yeah oh it's still let's go oh we can't do that i landed on paul's pick again (laughs) can't do back-to-back shit (laughs) wait 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 wait. (laughs) paranormal oh shit we will be discussing paranormal next week oh shit Maybe we'll find another destination we can send myself and Paul <laughs> so he can wet his pants. Well, Again, we well, don't know. I, I, we need to get we need to get a thousand subscribers or a thousand views. A thousand views on our Mansfield episode. That'd be episode. Number that would be great four. if actually that one. Yeah, but yeah. really any of them. Yeah, I yeah, would just say. But yeah, we prefer the Mansfield one. So I can, I'm uh, hoping by the right. time this is aired because yeah. we're we we got quite a backlog going yeah. now yeah because we're, we're trying to do this right so i'm sure we've had the side up and everything while you guys are listening to this but currently our site's not up quite yet we're just finishing the touches on it so we can get everything ready and we can send off for our approval for the podcast it could be on uh apple podcast but uh it's definitely been a, a fun little time mm-hmm. we've been having trying yes. to do this all together. Oh, yeah. But uh, we haven't even launched yet, and this is episode number eight. <laughs> we, have, we have full schedules, Ron. Right. It's, so it's it won't to be time. too much longer before we're starting to have either double episodes a week to catch up, or we're going to have to do little intro videos to kind of give a little what's going on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, guys, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, thank you for sticking around. Uh, Definitely, if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you've been listening to, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. That'll help us a lot. Uh, We appreciate five stars, but honestly, anything you throw us, we'll just take it in. And uh, we'll read reviews uh once we start getting them in if you leave us a review on the on apple podcast then yeah. uh we'll read your review yeah on air do a little sharing time yeah but uh we've really enjoyed this we're gonna keep it going <laughs> uh but yeah we'll be back next week with another uh podcast and it will be a spooky one mm-hmm. <laughs> i wonder if this will align with halloween it, it may Maybe. i'm not sure we'll see all right, guys, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for hanging around. We'll see you next time. See ya.
fucking thing sucks. Yeah.